Electric Soil Podcast. Imagination is the electric soil of creation. Uh, you'd mentioned it at the very beginning about, you know, you're, you're trying to find, I'm not going to word it exactly, kind of paraphrase you, but you're trying to find you in every aspect of your life because I think everybody has, for me, like I have a work work mode it's just the way that i was right like i i it's still me but there's a sort of a performance piece a layer kind of put on there i have sort of a default sort of conversation i have with you know category a person category b person i have certain things i say because i'm in like a customer service job so you know uh, i just have these certain things that have become habitual as far as my behaviors go and uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it still feels like it's me, but there is, I recognize there's a veil of performance behind it as well as, um, and I, I, you know, it's, it's hard not to say something derogatory about it, whether it's like sort of a chameleon sort of, uh, you know, depending if you're with, uh, it, I, it, it definitely came out of my childhood, right? Like if I'm with people that are older than me, I'm, I'm very, I was very uh, taught to be very polite and, and kind of kind of keep the words to a minimum and let that, you know, the adults do the talking and all that. And it's funny how much is like, you know, I turn, I just turned 40 and how much of that is still kind of programmed in my brain. So I think it's very fascinating. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it really, uh, rings true when you're talking about these moments where you're like, man, I still, I still have a hard time verbalizing a need of mine. That's probably from your childhood even. Right. And to your wife, right. And you're having this hard time even saying it, even with this mindset alteration through the ceremony. So I'm just, I'm just fascinated by that. The whole idea that, um, you know, us as people feel the need. And I think we're just sort of taught almost to have these different sides of ourselves that we can kind of pull out almost like different shirts that you wear, depending on whatever circumstance that you're in. But it sounds like you're doing a lot of work on, you know, having the same shirt for like, you know, for the same analogy, having the same shirt on for everybody. Right. So how important is that to you? And, and I guess, why is it such a challenge? I, I think I may, maybe, uh, you know, verbalized it a little bit as far as like, it was, it's part of a programming, but yeah, just what's your, what's your whole take on that? As far as, uh, you know, different sides of people, the, the whole chameleon aspect and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. In all honesty, it's actually not something I struggle hard with. Like, there's certain elements of it. There's certainly to a small degree, I'll I'll edit myself depending on who I'm with. Sometimes, I've actually gotten in more trouble throughout my life for not doing those things. <laughs> okay, um, and and also for a lot of my life, I was such a poor communicator, and I was very angry. I was very aggressive and very brash. So, and my wife would always tell me. I've been with my wife. We started dating uh, like eighteen and a half years ago. Oh wow! So. It's been a minute. Yeah, um, yeah. And she has lived through at least, this is at least the third iteration of me. Oh, okay. She knows. Yeah. Um, and she would often say to, you know, Chad 1.0 or 2.0, you're not wrong. You're just an asshole. <laughs> you know, and, she, and in a loving way, she's like, but you, you just say things in such a brat like people aren't prepared to hear it they're more fragile Mm. about hearing criticisms than you are and so and i showed up that way at work in my personal life it didn't matter and so that's what i've had to work on the most is understanding how to be more effective when i show up and 
with certain things that are out of like the mainstream norm, i.e. right now we're talking about the, um, the plant medicine stuff, being very open about that. And that was something that from day one, I said, I'm going to share this with everyone because I do not want to carry a bit of shame or guilt negation acknowledged about this thing. You know, I, I, I want to be proud and I want to affirm my experiences in the work that I'm doing both for myself and with everyone around me. And so I, I do share those things and it is difficult because we, as a culture, we do have a lot of programming that goes into this. It's impossible not to, right? Uh, and there's certain things that you are supposed to share at work or not supposed to share. It always struck me as odd that you don't talk about politics or religion or finances. I'm like, these are three of the things that people fight about the fucking most across the planet. Why would we not talk about those things? How do you ever resolve them if, you, if those things are untouchable conversations, right? Right. And so I do bring those things and that energy in. and what would happen, like I said, for me, what would happen is it would often cause confrontation. It would cause issues. It would cause a misrepresentation of, of who I was and what my intention was in, in saying something or having a conversation. And the other person didn't get anything out of it because they're like, I'm not listening to what you're saying. You're just an asshole. Mm. Right. And so I, I've gotten, I, my work has been around, reshaping my language, my reactivity to something, my ability to, to pause and create space, not only in my language, but in my day, in my reactions to other people's actions or, or, or words enough. So to allow me to, to say, okay, do they have a point? Where could this be coming from? Mm. Maybe they're just having a bad day. Right. And this is manifested in so many ways. It's simple stuff like road rage isn't a non-issue for me hmm. anymore. Um, and this is someone who like I got I, like I've beat people up on the side of the road when I was young. It's no, no yeah. shit. And it's not like a brag. Like I was a fucking asshole and a maniac. Like yeah. I just I did stupid shit, you know. Yeah. And now some guy flew by me or this morning I was driving down like on a town road and I'm, I'm going 40 and it's a 30 or 35 mile an hour speed limit. So I'm speeding and he just buzzes by me. Yeah. Had to have been going like 60. I'm like, geez, dude, it's like seven in the morning. I'm like, you must be in a hurry. Yeah. Busier <laughs> you know? than I am. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the old me might've like chased him down the road and you know, What's done problem? something crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, I, I get it again. This, these are one of those things that I, I lean heavily on my wife in terms of, my wrapping my understanding around certain things that are very unfamiliar to me mm. because whatever iteration of me I was, that's, that's what you got at work, at home, at like in every, so the more I improve on myself, the better I am in all of those places. And I understand that a lot of people don't do that. They silo their life out. It's just like acceptance or willingness to go into a medicine ceremony. I'm very willing to go into it because I have very little apprehension around consuming substances and being in an altered state. So I'm like, all right, fuck it. Let's do it. Yeah. I've done a bunch of scary shit throughout my life. So I'm, it's, it's not something I even really think about. And so I've gotten to a much better place of understanding that some people do. And, and it is something that is, it's, you know, our families teach us these patterns, our friends, our coworkers, society in general. So it can be really scary to think about 
hey, uh, you know, man, if I start whatever, saying what I really think, or if I start bringing my healthy lunch to work and not going out to eat, is everyone going to think I'm an asshole or I'm better than them? Or they, like, do we t- tell ourselves these weird stories that, that can potentially create a scenario where we're an outcast mm. in a certain yeah. social circle. And I think that has to do, that's, that has a lot to do with why people put on these different masks because ultimately going back to the saying, I, I love you and the compassion to my dark side, we all want that. We all want to be held and heard and seen and, and loved and cared about. We do. And when we think that, that behaving a certain way or speaking a certain way or taking a certain action is going to limit our ability to access that, that love and that, that, uh, you know, being held by, by whatever community is, whether it's work or family or whatever, then we avoid it. Right. And and we're, and we're taught to avoid those things because everyone does. It's like, it used to drive me nuts when people would talk about like my friends with, with, with their spouses and stuff, the whole, like, well, the old ball and chain, you know, my fucking wife threw up like, you just sound like an asshole. Yeah. Like my wife's awesome. And I also want to take time away from her sometimes. Hmm. Like we want to do our own things and that's okay to do both of those things. But like, I don't complain about my wife ever. She's a, a rock star and maybe I'm really lucky or maybe we just made good choices and we work really fucking hard. Our relationship has not been great, <laughs> you know, the, the whole time. And, and so I see that and I'm like, but you're just telling this narrative that we see on sitcoms, right? Like I'm the grumpy husband. That's like so, I I just repeat this nonsense that may or may not even be applicable to my life, and it's real easy and slippery to just fall into that. And that's where I think people get stuck. Is it goes back to familiarity. It goes back to what like this is just. We need space. We need gaps in our conversation and in the tasks that we do. We need time by ourselves, free of distraction, and even if it's a moment taking a deep breath, you know, those things I've found personally, if you can find ways to create that space in your life from the moments of taking a breath all the way to, you know, an hour of solitary time on a walk or meditation, whatever it might be. Like if you can create as many of those moments for space in your life as possible, holy shit, you show up better. You give yourself time to think, to really consider what you want to say or how you want to act or, you know, what the outcome of, of something really means. And we, we have a society that doesn't give us a lot of space if we don't fucking fight for it and take it. Yeah. Right. If you don't stand there and take your space, it will be taken from you. Yeah. If you don't plan your day, somebody else will plan it for you pretty quick. Sure. Yeah. I think there's a, you touched on it. It's a, I was just kind of thinking while you're talking, I think it's a, it's a very deep rooted fear that we have as just as human beings to be removed from the tribe, to be that, you know, the lone wolf that's been kicked away because, you know, nobody sees any worth in it. I think it, and that goes, that must go back to, you know, the beginning of time. It's, it's just one of those like primal fears that we have that has just manifested itself in some of the ways that you're talking about, as far as just coming up with these common phrases or agreeable things to say to people, just so you can kind of keep your place and status quo uh, that kind of thing. So I thought it was very interesting that you brought that up. And I'm just, I was just thinking about, man, that's, it's, I think that's gotta be terrifying deep down inside for a lot of people. And they don't necessarily recognize that because it's so just in there. It's been passed down since the beginning of like, you know, humans working together, you got to think. Right. So 
Um, one of the things that you talked about, I find very interesting because I'm, I'm kind of going through it myself is like, I just took, I'm, I'm five months into a six month leave of absence. I took from work, been doing the same job since I was 16. So, you know, 22 years basically at this point. And, um, I, I just, I needed, I needed something like a pattern disruption. I needed something different. It wasn't like I, like I loved my life. I, I still enjoyed it, but I was just like, I hadn't had enough perspective change and i had just this this strange feeling inside me that i have to grow i have to expand but man the hardest thing i've had this whole time and i've identified it is the it's going to sound bad but wait wait till you see where i'm going with it the initial lack of money i go well man the whole reason i I planned for it financially but I was so used to getting a weekly paycheck. My job was every Friday, I get a paycheck for 22 years, every Friday. That first Friday, I didn't get a paycheck. Kind of fucked with me. Even though I knew it was coming, I looked at it. I stared at my phone, I mean, you know, where my, my bank statement would be. It wasn't in there. I would go, you know what? Like, I mentally prepared for this for the better part of a year. I knew it was coming. I saved the money. Why am I still having an issue with this? So I identified it. It's not money. It's what money represents. So money represented for me certainty aka what we've been talking about familiarity so you know i guess that was that was a big thing for me to at least recognize uh it made it a little bit easier but honestly it's still and it's it's painful for me to admit because i'd say like 90 percent. it's kind of a yin yang thing right whereas 90 percent of it has just been fantastic everything has been super life affirming i've done all these different things that i would have never expected because i didn't have any expectations i just came in with an open mind everything is just one thing left you know one thing is connected to the next before you know it i'm in in lifted now we're having this conversation it's been fantastic like couldn't have asked for anything better but there's always a part of me that has a little bit of an inhib, like there's this, these little inhibitions inside of me that I just have not been able to get rid of my entire life. I never feel like I'm quite giving hundred percent. I always feel like I'm at 80, 20, you know, I just, and I, I can't put my finger on it, what it is that's holding me back, but that's, this is definitely part of it. it was just the, um, the realizing the, 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 the money slash certainty security. Obviously that's something that's, that's powerful for me as a value for myself, but I've been, definitely challenging it and it's been challenging me back of course and we were still kind of at a stalemate i haven't been able to do the work to release that yet and i'm trying very hard uh but basically i'm kind of i just over the last week i kind of had to make my decision go one way or the other i was hoping desperately that i could uh uh figure out something with uh, a few of the other things that i've been trying that i didn't have to go back to my job to be honest uh anybody that's listening <laughs> there you go the truth is out but um yeah, I guess that was my challenge is like, and you know, everybody else is telling me, you know, at the end of the day, six months is hardly enough time to rebuild the entire rest of your life, right? It, chances are you're going to have to uh, integrate, at least go back. So basically what I'm doing is I'm going back part-time so I can still keep up with what I'm doing that I'm enjoying my passionate about. But at the same time, I don't have to worry about the certainty of money anymore and see if I can kind of like integrate, like overlap I was very worried about the two worlds colliding and it not being, it's like the old me versus the new me. I've kind of dropped that now. At the end of the day, that whole certainty part was such a thing that I'm just clutching onto that I think as soon as I made the decision to go back part-time, I feel relaxed now. So I don't know for better or for worse, but um, 
Yeah, it's been challenging for me, man. I guess I'm just kind of telling you, I don't know if there's necessarily a question about that. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain you'll have uh, <laughs> something worthwhile to say out of it, but that's kind of where I am right now, man. And it's, it's been like fantastic, but by the same token, it's really revealed, I guess my buttons. And that's what I was wanting to go into this doing. It's revealed a couple of my big button pushers and, and, um, you know, I guess they, you know, I guess soft talk, but they are things I have to work on. I'm still not sure what I need to do to get past them though, if that makes sense. Yeah. There's probably some things you get to work on, right? Right. Yes. There we go. That's the words. Thank you. Yeah. I, I get to work on uh -huh. this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's really interesting that to hear what's going on with you professionally. And I think some of the advice you've gotten is, is right. That, six months is an incredibly short amount of time to completely dismantle and rebuild a life. It's a short amount of time for if you only were doing one of those things, you know? Sure. Um, and, and it's really interesting. It's cool that you found this, that you're able to find kind of the buttons that, that push you or that you need to push in order to feel a certain way. And as I thought about it relative to my, my own experience, I have such familiarity with uncertainty and instability mm. that I tend to do the opposite. Hmm. I tend to burn my life or at least attempt to burn my life to the ground somewhat periodically. Really? Huh. And um, not necessarily in a destructive way, but more like a, a very similar feeling like something's got to change. This isn't working for me right now. And the the benefit for me is that I will tend to act quickly on that thing, which is also a downside. So whereas you saved up money for a year and were prepared to do stuff, I'm like, fuck it, quit my job. Let's move across the country and go open a gym. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, there's just like I'm living in my buddy's basement sort of thing. With, you know? yeah. And uh, those have been a lot of the decisions. And since what weighs on me a lot is it now since becoming a father, it's not about just me. You know, and, and if I didn't have children, especially based on the last three years of, of our life, it would look very different right now for mm -hmm. Melissa and I, what we were doing and where we are and all these sort of things. It look very, very different. And I think that's something that's, that I struggle with is because I'm willing to like, I, I have been willing in the past to tear everything down and then work my ass off to rebuild something else. I currently am engaged in the most important task of my life, which is being a good father to my girls, which restricts the amount of time and energy I have to put into rebuilding something brand new. And so what's happened for me in that regard is, is I have, I have gone, made some poor choices in terms of acting too quickly and, and all this, that, that have put me in a tough spot professionally and going back to what we were saying before about how i show up to places because i show up a very specific way in all areas of my life my perception of that is that it can limit me in terms of professional opportunities and places that i can go because there's certain things i i'm unwilling to bend on mm. and and there's certain ways that i show up to places so it's it's interesting to have be fighting a similar battle with different 
kind of drivers and, and, yeah. and things that, that push us in that direction. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's been wild. And, and I feel you in, in particular, like the last 18 months have been mostly great in, in my life. And it, one or two things have been really fucking shitty. Like, mm. like, so it's like this weird, there's not, there's not much in the gray area. It's like, this has been really great. And then like, this is not. Um, and, and so I think your choice, it sounds like what you're saying to me, that it was the right choice for you and that it fits and you can integrate those things. And what a great opportunity for you to, to continue to practice showing up the same way at work as you do at home and, you know, with your family and, and with less time doing that. Right. I would imagine that if it takes effort to put on that, that work mask and go in and do that thing, the longer you're there, the more it drains your energy, Mm. right? The the shorter amount of time you feel obligated to do that, or the shorter amount of time that you're putting effort into not doing that, the more energy you have to apply to the things that you're passionate about and then start to, you know, titrate that stuff in the opposite direction where, maybe in the next six months or year or whatever, now the passion projects on the side are, you know, those are the things that are driving your lifestyle and your income and all these other things. And you're like, why, why am I even doing this anymore? I mean, logically that's the better way to do it. Not my way. My way is very stressful. Yeah. (laughs) My way is very stressful. Yeah. And you know, and it, it does hearken again to, uh, to our childhoods and upbringings. I'm going to assume for you as well. Like, but for me, um, mine is relative to my childhood because my childhood was, it was all chaos. It was always chaos. We were broke. We were moving houses. We were doing like, it was, there was no stability. There was no place to see a future. And so that's my familiar, that's my comfort zone. That's my familiar place, you know? And then I entered into things like, you know, I tried used to do MMA and went to the military and I did these things that also thrived. It was also chaos. Mm. So when chaos ensues, I'm really good in those acute moments. When it comes to sticking to a long-term plan, not so great. <laughs> yeah. Not so but much. I lean on my wife for that. Yeah. She is she is the opposite. She has a harder time in acute moments of stress than I do and is much better with keeping ducks in a row and remembering the plans and sticking to those things. And so we, we do balance each other out in a really beautiful way. And I'm incredibly fortunate for that because I don't know what, I don't know what life would look like for me if it wasn't for her. Um, I've grown tremendously as a result of her and she's grown tremendously as a result of, of me. And, and so it's, um, it's this beautiful symbiotic relationship, right? I would always question, there was a point in time where I'd, randomly ask I'm like, are we codependent? And she's like, what? I'm like, I feel like, I feel like we might be sort of thing. And, <laughs> yeah. go through it and like, you know, my sister, mental health counselor and stuff, we would talk about these things. We're like, we're not, I just think that we balance each other out really well. And we're both willing to, to learn and grow and change. And so we, we've been able to via our relationship and, um, and, and those things are, they can be really difficult to do when they're things that are rooted so fundamentally in, in our subconscious and in our being from, you know, from the time that we were children. And so now where you're seeking, always seeking that stability is your button, that certainty is your button. And I'm like 
subconsciously how can you fucking destroy your life chad let's do it yeah what, what if you just you know did this and like yeah. you know and i'm not obviously i'm not i'm not writing down a plan like how to destroy yeah. my life but yeah, it's yeah. happening yeah you know it happens from time to time and so again back to take, bringing awareness to it and oh my god are you doing this again are you doing this thing yeah <laughs> like, yeah let's hit the pause button talk to someone about like bring some attention to it beyond just yourself so people can call it out but dude, i mean it sounds like you're you're making the best is like, it's, it looks like you looked at all these options and you weighed them out and you're like, okay, let's do this. It's not a, it's not a defeat. It's a lesson learned and it's a strategy to move forward. Right. And that's what I've tried to remind myself of as well as any of these sort of life events come up. No, for sure. Completely. It's funny you mentioned is it, it, I had in some ways similar upbringing to you, not with like I had divorced parents, uh, but there was no, there was a lot of like mental, like a lot of fighting, like verbal fighting, but nothing with the, the physical violence side of it. And uh, they divorced uh, when I was, I think 12 or 13, so 94, so to me, yeah, 13. So right going into high school. So I think for me, I almost had the exact opposite reaction of you because we definitely, we moved around quite a bit after that, where I had the exact opposite reaction in the fact that I wanted stability based out of yeah. that, right? So it wasn't necessarily because of a stable upbringing, but it no, was my no, reaction it, to it. You know what I mean? It, so yeah, so I'm just gonna say that yeah. it's it. Our reactions to it can be incredibly different. So I mean, a perfect example. I was talking to someone recently about this. You know, I, I shared earlier. My uh, my father was physically abusive to me and my mother, and that's it's not a, a, a rare thing for someone that grows up that way to then go beat their wife and family. Like it's it's Good not point. rare. Good point. I went to your point and I was kind of thinking that as I was saying it, I was like, I wonder if you reacted the way I did to, to like abuse to stability where you're like, we are so unstable. All I want is stability. Right. I, I got into fist fights and, and physical altercations with people I didn't know because I walk out in a parking lot and saw someone like shove their girlfriend or something like that. And I just walk up and cold cock some guy. Wow. Like, yeah, it was vehemently like on the, I'm a, I'm a, I wrote something, in one of the responses to to uh, for the one-on-one call with Mark and then lifted, I wrote in the piece about my dad, and it was one of the first times I wrote it. And it was so it was such a great shift and release for me. I wrote that I was grateful for him as a father because he made me a protector and a warrior. Mm. And it was one of those things that I hadn't given much thought to in in quite some time. I mean, mm. I haven't seen seen that person in in uh, 20 years. Wow. You know? And, huh. and so it was the first time. And I thought about that and, and I really believed it. I'm like I, I am the, that piece of me is because of him. Hmm. And it's really interesting to see how some people will, they will mimic the environment or the behaviors that they saw as children and then, or they'll swing the other way and they'll directly oppose it. And neither is not right or wrong. It's, not, it's just interesting to see that that is that tends to be what we do. We tend to either fall in line or completely rebel against yeah. that thing. No, that's that's very interesting. Actually, that you say that, yeah, for sure, and that's completely true. Though when you think about it, yeah, it's it's it becomes sort of yeah binary. We talk about that in lifted. This it's it's yeah. You don't really fit in between. It's either one or one or two categories. You're gonna continue the. Uh, the uh, the traditions for better or for worse usually for worse, or you're gonna just completely rebel against it. So interesting, interesting. 
Yeah, it's not like that's like that's a path that has to happen, but that just tends to be what does happen, oh, uh, you know, unless someone brings awareness to it and works to change it. Completely. If it's if it's what you know and it's kind of how you've been, you recognize the world to be, uh, and exactly if you're not going to you know try to do anything to change it, of course, yeah, you're just going to keep those patterns going, right? So. Uh, just a couple quick questions for you too before I let you go on with the day there. Thanks so much for coming on board to, uh, today. Just, yeah, great conversation. Really enjoyed it so far. Likewise, man. Awesome. Uh, I guess, what would you recommend, I guess, for like, what is your personal favorite uh, as far as, um, you know, these uh, these these plant medicine ceremonies? Uh, you, you listed off a couple. Like, I don't know if we wanted to do a quick little, for anybody that's sort of interested, we maybe uh, piqued some interest here. If you want to go yeah. through, like, there's psilocybin, I uh, got ketamine. Yeah, just maybe just give a quick little rundown and uh, maybe, um, you know, maybe excite some people with some of these, uh, the characteristics or maybe what they get used for, a little crash course, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, for me personally, I, I've, I want to sit with, with ayahuasca. Uh, I have yet to be able to do that. It's For me, it's been just a scheduling thing. Um, and I have a resource to do it. I just have not been able to line that up. I'm deeply interested in that. Yeah, man. Uh, and I can't speak to it because I haven't done it. Um, psilocybin for me is it's that's that's likely my favorite uh, because of the fact that it touches all facets of my being. Like it because I touch the light, the dark, the joy, the pain, all of it. Um, that is for anyone interested in, in exploring. And if they don't have any experience in it, it's also going to be more potentially more challenging to navigate, um, for a newbie. Uh, one of the interesting things about it is that the more you tend to resist whatever's happening, it amplifies what's happening. So again, that's a, that can be a frightening element for a lot of people. If you have a, a strong ability to surrender, to trust in what's going to happen in, in the process and the lessons that are going to come to you, then it's, you know, it's so powerful. It can be so powerful and so enlightening. If you fight it, it'll, it can fucking drag you through a very uncomfortable experience. We'll mm. call it. Uh, and then you kind of moving down the line, uh, MDMA, we call it a heart ceremony. Um, that's all love and joy. Like it's a beautiful, be and I, and, and we're lucky the facilitator we have is so like, he's so good. Um, we, we had a, one of the ceremonies that we held at our home was, was a heart ceremony. And one of our friends who has a tremendous amount of experience with that medicine, he was not reluctant, but he was kind of like, I don't know, like he's like a little skeptical, I guess, of it. He, at the end of the ceremony, he was like, oh my God, dude, you were not kidding me about the facilitator. He's like, that was the most profound experience I've ever had. And he had a, he has a lot of experience with psychedelics, with MDMA specifically, all these sort of things. Um, so again, it, like there's a, there's a lot of value in the person that's that's leading the experience. Mm. Um, I, I, I really enjoy uh, that experience in terms of, for me, it, it opens up so much love and compassion for myself and that spills out into everyone else around me. So that's a very close second to, uh, to psilocybin for me. Uh, 
ketamine ketamine is uh it's interesting i think the hardest part that i struggle with with it is that it's called a dream ceremony and a lot of times it's referenced as a dream ceremony because similar to a dream where you're like man this is, i had this really weird or cool dream or this thing i can't quite remember it mm. It, the the deeper you go with that medicine, the harder it is to bring nuggets back and the more profound the nuggets are. So it's it's weird, like balancing yeah. act. Like, I want to go deep, but if I go deep, then I won't remember a lot of stuff that happened. Yeah. And it'll feel like uh, there'll be a deep knowing in me that it was like, oh, my God. Like, I went really deep one time and it it gave me not that I had a lot of fear, or anxiety around death. Um, but it gave me this profound sense of ease around it. Mm, um, gotcha. you know, the thing that I could remember bringing back from it was this just intense visual of, of life folding into death over and over and over again and, and like death and then rebirth and like, like just this constant cycle. And I felt that, that part of it walking away with that was like, that was pretty incredible to me. Um, and it wasn't necessarily something I, I struggle with. So I would imagine if there's someone who is, you know, in the later stages of their life or maybe they're terminally ill one, it's a, it's the safest medicine out of any of them, um, has the least contraindications as it like, it's the, so, um, it's really accessible in that, in that sense. And it seems to be based on not only my experience, but talking to other people about theirs, it seems to be one that that is a pretty regular occurrence when you go deep to have this sense of ease about death. Um, and that certainly can come up in with psilocybin as well. Uh, but that's one that I've heard pretty commonly with, with ketamine. Uh, some of the other things on there, uh, LSD is very similar to psilocybin for me. Um, there's a, hmm, there's, there's somewhat of an ineffable difference between the two. It's, it's difficult to explain. I've heard people say it's got more of a metallic view or something like that to it. I'm like, ah, kind of, I don't, hmm. I don't know. There's this like, but there's this crisp vision and this, it's incredibly grounding for me. Mm -hmm. it, like, I just, I feel incredibly grounded and, and safe. Um, it's a longer experience like for someone that's, that's on, that, that doesn't really know or they're looking at this stuff for the first time. Um, it's a commitment, right? For, for, so yeah. uh, understanding that. And then uh, some of the other ones I listed on there, uh, the, so Sananga is, that's not necessarily a um, psychedelic, but it was, it's, we will use it periodically in ceremony as a precursor to a uh, psilocybin ceremony. Okay. And it's an eye drop that oh. goes in your eyes. Interesting. Uh, it burns like a motherfucker. Um, and it's used by indigenous tribes to increase visual acuity, open third eye. Um, and so it's about vision. And, cool. and so a lot cool. of times that'll get coupled with psilocybin to enhance our ability to, to like, to see when we're, when we're going inward. Um, so as much as I dislike things near my eyes, which is a, a challenge for me to work through. And I, yeah. I still, I, I always have a battle anytime it's available. I'm like, are you going to yeah. raise your hand? Cause you don't have to, but if you want something like I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. And then, you know, the last time I did, the facilitator came around and said, like, we actually have two. He's like, well, you know, this one's a little bit more mild. This one's a little bit stronger. And I looked at him and I, I said, he's like, what should you like? I said, 
I trust you, man. And there's a lot of this like intuition that happens. And so, um, he gave me the stronger one. Um, and, and rightfully so I, I, I have found that I have a, a pretty high tolerance, generally speaking mm. for all medicines, which is not necessarily what you want. I don't want to be the most expensive date at the party, <laughs> but I am, yeah. um, oftentimes. So, and then, uh, hape, which is a, a tobacco based, um, kind of like a powdered snuff with a bunch of different herbs and, mm. and things in it uh, made by various uh, tribes in the Amazon. Okay. Uh, that's usually, that's usually offered. I'll, I'll sit with that in meditation on my own. Um, in fact, I did last week before I went down to have the conversation with, with my mom. Uh, it's also offered typically at the end of grandfather, which is psilocybin. It's very grounding. Uh, for me, it helps to, kind of land the spaceship and then also start to consolidate some of the ideas and the things that, that came to me during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be it, like at the very end, it can be a really uh, powerful experience. Hmm. Um, I definitely had a hape experience at our, at the retreat that was like pretty intense hmm. um, uh, on the tail end. And I mean, part of that is like, is again the facilitator like you scoop it so part of the, the process is is that there's there's free will and there's acceptance that takes place so as it's being offered the facilitator actually blows it he scoops it into the end of this tube and he blows it through his mouth up into your nose mm. and in that process prior to that you're you're closing your eyes you're saying a prayer you're saying you know whatever it is that you you go inward for a moment then you lock eye contact with that person and you and you bring it to your nose and you hold it and you hold eye contact while they it's you wow. accept right yeah, it's yeah. really powerful um and he just scooped like a shovel full in there and there's a <laughs> like and so i think that probably had to do with with how deep the experience was and that was the heaviest day that we did that was the deepest that we went that whole retreat and so it wasn't you know it was consensual i wasn't like i wasn't like please don't do that <laughs> like but um, yeah, so that's an interesting one that I, I like to use periodically, even just by myself, if I'm going to have time for a really long meditation, and especially if there's something heavy weighing on my mind, I'll put some um, kind of uh, theta wave type background music in. Yeah. Um, I'll go through my own little kind of ceremonial mm-hmm. process and administer You can self-administer the hape as well. Oh, nice. Um, there's like a little V tube and Crazy. you do the same, blow it up into your own nose. Um, and, and then I'll sit with that. And it's, it, it definitely allows me to go deeper in my meditation um, and bring some emotion to the surface. Um, you know, the Friday going down to talk to my mom, I, like I cried for a while at the end of it, I was saying a bunch of, statements and mantras in my head going through and, and part of it was recognizing her pain and mm. recognizing all sort of stuff. And so, um, yeah, it's just like anything else. There's different tools for different, uh, different experiences and different entry points, right? Sure. Like how I mean, like I mentioned before is the overall has the least, uh, complications possible or, or issues along it's the safest. So older people, people with heart conditions, Pregnant women can use ketamine. Like it's, you know, it's very, very accessible. Um, heart or MDMA tends to be where a lot of people, 
prefer to start because the vast majority of the time it's very light. It's mm. very joyous. It's very pleasant. Right. Um, and then, you know, moving on from there, you start to go into more deeply introspective type scenarios with psilocybin, with ayahuasca, you know, I, I don't know if people are really doing a lot with Ibogaine or anything like that these days, but, um, or at least like in, in the States, I know some people are, that's used a lot for heroin addiction, opioid uh, addiction. Okay. I have, I have a good buddy that went, that, that did that and it changes. Um, so it, it really depends on what you're coming to the table for, what your comfort level is, um, you know, and then having those discussions with the, with the facilitators, with the healers, with the shaman, whoever it is that you're working with, um, and, and seeing what's, what's kind of the best, best path of entry for you. That's great. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, basically giving the breakdown for all that. Cause I think some folks that are, you know, are, are interested in this or at least curious, if nothing else from this, it's just, it is nice to know there is, there's many different sort of ways. And like you say, I, I mean, you said it in the message and you said it now, you know, there's, 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 uh, you know, different characteristics for different needs of the people or different comfort levels. There's so many different uh, things to kind of keep in mind before you, before you go in. I would tend to agree with you with MDMA for sure. Cause it's pretty, like you say, pretty mellow for the most part. And it's, it's, it's very one-sided again, for the most part as well. You can, you have the little dips depending on your mindset going in and such, but for sure it's pretty, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely kind of, uh, the happy go lucky of the bunch, I would say. <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? I want to preface because I, um, or I, I want to back that statement up. It, it can be very unpleasant. Mm, uh, okay. If you're, if you're working with someone and I haven't seen it often, but I've seen it a couple of times. Um, someone who is, their emotions are completely bottled up that like they're emotionless. Right. Okay. Or yeah. someone who really struggles with love. Like with love for themselves, uh, love sure. for others, it can be under like it can be sad. For yeah, them. okay, I can see that. You know, actually. yeah, yeah, it, it can go that way, and you hit on it before, set and setting, mindset setting, and dose. You know, a yep. big thing that I rem remind people that are coming to a ceremony with me, whether it's at our house or somewhere else, is that like this isn't a party. You know, they're not trying to get you fucked up. They're not like how many, how much, how many mushrooms can I give you? <laughs> it's like minimum yeah. effective dose. Yeah, you're right. Like we, it, right that's what we're looking for, you know? Yeah. And, and so it, there's, but there's a lot to be said about that, but yeah, by and large, the vast majority, you know, uh, MDMA heart ceremony is, is mostly pleasant, mostly love. Yeah. Mostly. Um, <laughs> and on a rare occasion, someone can have it. And, and even that it's not, I want to make sure people don't leave and be like, Oh yeah, they have a bad experience. It's not bad. Yeah. It's challenging and it becomes a learning experience because all those people that I've seen struggle, they've been thankful for that experience and continue to come back. Right. So it not be bad, right? They're, they're learning and they get better over time because of, you know, whatever that blockage was for them yeah. that it brought up, you know? I think that's uh, the important differentiation just to kind of wrap up this, this, uh, this part of the, the conversation is definitely just exactly what you said. It's not, it's, you aren't going there to party. <laughs> it's a learning experience. Uh, you know, there, you're going to have, I guess, elements, uh, of, nothing wrong with partying. No, that's what I was going to say. Nothing I'm wrong not with it, right? But, yeah, yeah. exactly, right? So yeah, you have that in mind, but that's kind of the breakdown of it. So thanks so much for, for giving that information. A couple quick questions for you here before we uh, before we sign off for the day. 
You mentioned uh, your wife quite a few times in the the po- or, sorry in this uh, interview here. I know you guys have a podcast that's uh, entering its second season here, so I'd like to give you some time to kind of promote that and let uh, folks know where they can find that podcast. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so our podcast is called Our Human Experience. Cool. It, we started it mainly for fun. I, like I said, I love conversations. I love getting on podcasts. Let's do one. Let's bring interesting people in uh, that can talk about topics that are relevant to a wide variety of people. So we have business owners. We have uh, we talk about psychedelic experiences. We talk about parenting, uh, a lot of different stuff. The first season was really getting our feet wet and just kind of getting some episodes under our belt. And now we're going to be coming back and uh, we're, we're going to try and create a little bit more focus around it and have it be a little more consistent. Part of that is managing our uh, the, the schedule with our girls. And it looks like we'll have some time to carve out and do that. So it'll be really great. I'm excited about it. Uh, we're open to guests really that from anywhere any walk of life that have something valuable to share i think there's there's value in people hearing conversations like what you and i just had from you know quote unquote regular people doing doing their thing doing their life how can we talk about language i mean the third episode that we did of our human experience was about language and you know it's so simple things that can be applicable in in someone's life and also connect people to like Oh wow, they're managing some of the same challenges that that we are. Oh, that's an interesting approach that they're taking to it. Maybe we could try that. Or you know, so and so is starting a business with their spouse too. I wonder what like, or I'm I'm getting ready to do that. Like, what did they have to say about it? Hmm. Um, so that that's kind of our our goal is to is to just shine a light on everyday experiences and challenges and how people overcome and their you know their highlights and the wins that they've gotten. And just interesting stories to bring to the table. Uh, and yeah, so our human experience, I actually think there's a, a couple of them out there, uh, but it's with Melissa and Chad Curtis. Uh, it's got a little green icon on it. Um, I'm trying to remember the Instagram. It's like our underscore human underscore experience underscore, I believe. Okay. I believe there's just after each one. Okay. Uh, give, it, give it a listen. Let us know what you think uh, and we're always open to feedback and if someone wants to come on as a guest or you have someone a topic they'd like to hear about uh, let us know because we, we want to keep it pretty open pretty casual just like this mm-hmm. nice mm-hmm. conversational format um and it's just it's a lot of fun for us we really enjoy it that's awesome so yeah i'll look it up i'll make sure i get the right one i'll look for the green icon obviously uh, i know you by name so i'll look for look for uh, th- that as a tip or a trick as well and i'll, l- I'll link it in the show notes and aside from that, just a couple of quick, uh, fun questions to end it off here. Uh, what are you listening to these days? We've been talking a little bit about music. Uh, so aside from you, if you want to get into like what you're listening to as far as meditation music, as well as like you're about to go out and do some uh, some movement and get get the you know the blood flowing and all that. What are you What are you listening to in that kind of situation? Oh man, wide variety. Okay, yeah. and, and going going to. Medicine ceremonies have been huge in, in learn and getting turned on to some do, different music. Um, I will listen to a lot of kind of fluid, I guess you would call it like elect, maybe electronic type music. If I'm doing something real like the ropes that I was talking about before, um, I'll, I'll listen to a lot of foreign music oh. now. Like 
more foreign like tribal peaceful music if i'm sitting in the ice bath i'll put something like that on nice uh i'm a huge fan of satsang um they i've just I, i started listening to him a while ago and then i heard him on a podcast and i was like this dude is like my fucking spirit animal like he's he's spiritual and he sings these deep and powerful songs and he's also a muay thai fighter and a jujitsu uh player and and cool. uh works on a ranch in wow. montana like he like he's a man and he's open and vulnerable and, and has a beautiful voice like it's just I, I'm, I dig him a lot um you know i'll listen to some uh, on the hip-hop side i like logic one mm-hmm. of my favorite um i'm a huge fan of him and then i, I grew up with uh heavy metal and hardcore so oh nice you know, yeah I'll throw some hate breed on and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, yeah, it yeah. just kind of depends <laughs> on the mood. The vast majority of my time is pretty peaceful music. Something that's like melodic that I sing to. Uh, it's rare that I put the heavy metal on anymore, unless I'm just like in a fucking rage mood and want to hit the heavy bag for a while. Yeah. And that doesn't happen a lot. It, I do. I do believe at this point in the game in, you know, back when I don't know if you remember this when you were younger, like video games and music are going to ruin kids. Yep. Their mom says, I, I, I actually do believe that to a large degree now that the things that I listen to, because I listen to music pretty much all day long. Mm. So it can be either be a positive vibe adding to who I am, or it can drag me back towards a, a negative version of myself. And so the vast majority of the time, it's, it's uplifting stuff. Our girls sing little spiritual songs at the end of the night. They want them all the time and stuff. We help, we put them to sleep with it and stuff. So nice. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Excellent. And you talked about traveling, a, uh, you know, a fair bit in, uh, in our lifted, uh, course, as far as this, uh, different, uh, different trips that you guys want to take as a family or specifically, uh, you and your wife, if you can get away just as a couple. So if you were to pick four vacation destinations for next year, what would those four be? And maybe a little bit as to why, I mean, they're usually pretty self-explanatory, but uh, just maybe a reason why. Oh man. For the longest time I would have said Australia, New Zealand. Mm. Yeah, not man. so much, not so much anymore. Really? Okay. Just, to, I mean, just based on what's going on currently there, I, yeah. that just is not a place that I'm interested in going. Yeah. Um, so let's see, four places, man. I would love to go. I've never been down to like Costa Rica or mm-hmm. DR or anything like that. I would love to get down that neck of the woods. Um, it just looks beautiful. Everyone who's been there is, you know. They, they love it. And uh, I maybe have friends who talked about moving down there. They've gone and lived there for a couple of months and come back. So like, that's just really, really interesting to me. Um, I'd, I'd love to backpack through Europe. Mm, yeah. If it's just like a Chad and Melissa thing, it's again, one of those things that I've, I've never done. And uh, I know a lot of people that have, and it just seems really, really interesting to me. Um I think going to uh, going to Japan Ooh, good answer, is a really. Yeah. I have a I have a really close friend who lived there for a couple of years. Um, he taught over there, and the culture is just fascinating to me. And it's, it just seems like such a beautiful place. Uh, and let's see a fourth one. I think, you know, I I. I'd have to say either Thailand or just somewhere in, in India. There's just, it's oh, a really, yeah, yeah. 
kind of the, the spiritual piece of that just looks real enticing to me these days. You know, they're just getting over into these these really these communities that have like ancient ancient tradition. You know, and and just seeing the landscape and the temples and the like, it just that that seems really like it'd be a really cool place to go. For sure, no, all good answers. I was I've always been intrigued from a you know from being a, a a little little guy about Japan. It just seemed like if I I don't know why it's not necessarily opposite, but is if if you could find something that's opposite's not the right word, but but so out of what you're used to, I guess. And yeah. so, and like you say, they have like a very distinct, like, as far as the Asian culture, they, them in particular, are very distinct traditions and, and, you know what I mean? They're so kind of differentiated from a lot of the rest of like Asian cultures almost, uh, you know, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I, I always thought Japan would yeah, it'd be pretty fascinating to go. If you had a chance to do like an ayahuasca trip, uh, you know, obviously I, I think people talk about Peru, uh, you know, there's a few other different spots. Would you, do you think you'd do the, uh, like the Peru one or was there one in specifically be like, okay, cause I know they do them in Mexico now. Uh, there's a few different spots. Yeah. Have you have given uh, that much thought? You know what? I haven't given it a ton of thought. However, I do have a, <laughs> I have a, uh, an acquaintance, I guess, who's organizing, uh, uh, ayahuasca trips into Colombia. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which, which he said is, and he's. Been, he's sat in ceremony in Mexico, in Peru, and in Colombia. And according to him, he's just like, this is just like, this place is incredible. Hmm. The, the, we call the maestros and the maestras are, are incredible. And he, you know, so he's a huge advocate. So it's, it's interesting to me. Hmm. It's not something I've given a tremendous amount of thought to, but, um, you know, I'd be open to any of those places because they're all, they're all beautiful in their own unique way. And I'm sure they all offer uh, a different type of experience. Absolutely. Well, Chad, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, just great to get to know you on a you know more personal level, and definitely check out uh, Chad and Melissa's podcast, Our Human Experience. 